Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We are two old bloggers and we got a show for you today. We build this as Who's the Greatest Viking? And we'll get to that. But first we want to look at, there's been news reports, USA Today be, to be exact, and then rumors flying that Nadamakin Sue may head to Minnesota. We'll get into all the reports we've heard, why it makes sense, why it doesn't, and we'll go on from there, whether you like it or not. Then we're going to talk about the forgotten man, the first free agent signing by Kwesi Adolfo Menza, Mr. Jordan Hicks at linebacker. We've made it through all the camps, and have we heard much? about him before finally getting into the debate of who is the greatest Viking player in franchise history. This will be a good one. So join us right after the roll-in. Climb in the pocket, Baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Hey everybody, I hope your Saturday's going well. Join me, Dave Stefano, and over on the viewer's left, the one and only Darren Campbell from the Great White North. How you doing, Darren? I'm doing well, David. Enjoying the gorgeous weather we're having here. Me. Three weeks of summer that we have in the Northwest Territories. <laughs> two, two, two of those weeks are, are already passed, so I've got one more to go. One more to go. <laughs> Getting in that time outside while it's nice. Yes. That's good. All right. We are here today with three wonderful themes that I briefed in the intro, uh, culminating in the big debate at the end. So let's get this going. Get down to theme number one. And theme number one is Nadamakin Sue. It is, yes. The, the, uh, was a, we got, or at least it was to me anyway, David, a bit of surprising news this week when uh, there's a couple of stories uh, going out, rumors that the Nagama uh, Kinsu is, is uh, being pursued by the Las Vegas Raiders, which wasn't as big a surprise, but that the Vikings had also had multiple conversations with Sue and that... Um, uh, with him, uh, we had, I had kind of thought that the Vikings free agent shopping was over. They'd uh, skull Joseph, uh, and uh, that they'd the roster was more or less set, barring some catas catastrophic injury where they have to make a panic move a la when uh, Bridgewater went down in 2016. But but no, it appears the Vikings are kicking the tires and kicking them pretty hard on the Dominican Sioux. And, um, you know, that's a, it, it's interesting news uh, for for fans who uh, Sue is a well-known name, very, mm -hmm. very, very uh, good player Pro uh, over his career. Mm -hmm. So it's multiple Pro Bowls, multiple dirty plays. <laughs> uh, but he's, you know, he's been a guy, he's a guy that's a recognizable name, big name. Uh, he's going to get that the fact that the Vikings are pursuing him is going to excite fans. Um if uh, looking at the salary cap situations of the Raiders and the Vikings, if what I have is accurate and I didn't triple check it, but uh, uh, what I saw was that the Vikings had like just over 10 million in, mm -hmm. in salary cap space, whereas the, the Raiders have, have about uh, just under four. And so and the Vikings actually have. According to over ah. cap, the Raiders have uh, a little over 21 and a half million. So they have the Ooh. space. To sign That's up. a big difference. Uh huh. That's a big and, difference. And they can offer him $4 million a year. The, if the Vikings sign him, it's going to be a basically a veteran minimum, maybe $2 million a year. You know, it's not going to be anything grand. 
So, no, yeah, and uh, um, money isn't everything, but generally it plays a factor in in mm-hmm. uh, players and where they're going to sign. And so, if the if the Raiders can offer Sue more money. Uh, I think that, that that will be then the Vikings. That's going to be uh, that could tip the scales in in, in the making the decision of where he's going to go. Um, also, that there's also the fact that the Raiders actually made the playoffs last year and the Vikings did not. Mm-hmm. And Sue may consider that the Vikings aren't as good a like a, a, a like as good a, a, a opportunity to go deep into the playoffs or win a Super Bowl, which he did you know a couple of seasons ago with Tampa Bay. So there's that. Uh, but you know, they, the, on, you know, putting aside the money issue and whether the Vikings have the scratch to actually sign Sue, the, the question, the more important question is, uh, should they sign him? Well, but, but, Will he help? Before we get there, you said all the things that why a Dominican Sue might not want to come to Minnesota. Do you know the reason why he would want to come to Minnesota? Well, David, uh, I'll let you know. Minnesota's a very Minnesota's a very nice place to live. <laughs> What's the secret of life? Ah, well, secret of life. I've, I don't know, uh, David. For, uh, I've heard for most uh, married men, it is happy wife, happy life. Well, it ah. turns out Adama Kinsu's wife is from Minneapolis. Hmm. He has. Family in Minnesota. So there is that outside motivation, and you know how wives can get, that may be pushing him in that direction. And this um, originally was reported by Tyler Dragon of USA Today. So this isn't just rumor. It has been reported on a legit newspaper that there has been talks. But... That is the reason why there may have been talks, in my opinion, is that wifey wants to, her name's Katea, wants to go back to Minnesota. Not too many people know Interesting. That. Interesting, because he, he, uh, why that that would draw her now uh, and <laughs> and why she'd make that kind of a uh, de- demand or request now with Sue, maybe why not three years ago, but maybe she did. And, and uh, she lost out in Tampa Bay one out um, uh-huh. along with playing a uh, playing uh, for uh, with Tom Brady, but, but, <laughs> but there's a, so, so Sue is uh, maybe is considering the Vikings of, Vikings may be considering him, as I said, but uh, again, question more important than at least football wise. The more important question for the Vikings is, should they really be, is Sue going to help? Would he be a help to the Vikings defense, which was, as we know, has really struggled the past two years. And as you know, he's been with the Bucks the past three years and the past two playing as an, as an interior defensive uh, tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got six sacks the past two seasons, which I think is a, you know, that's a pretty good numbers sack numbers for an interior defensive player. And, uh, but if you, you kind of look at some other things uh, and one is age and that uh, 35 Sue is the five that is at a time. So 35 is at a time when generally the player's best days, unless you're a quarterback and sometimes a kicker, your best days are probably behind you. And if you look at um, Sue's tackling numbers last year, uh, again, just another little thing. He, he had 44 the previous year with the Bucks as a starter. Last year as a starter, he had 27. So that's quite a significant decline, even though the sack numbers were the same. And his pro football focus grade was a uh, very uh, <laughs> poor 49. Uh, it was 49.4, I believe. That's 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 dreadful. Uh, you've got, you just got up, up there. You've got what your prediction for what the Vikings starting defensive line is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, Armand Watts. Uh, with uh, I've seen where it looks like Arm, the prediction being Armand Watts and Harrison Phillips would be the starting defensive ends with Dalvin in, at nose tackle. Uh, Harrison Phillips' uh, rating last year, now he was in, in t- interior for the Bills, was a very excellent seventy-seven point four. That's very good. It's very even good. Armand Watts. 
was 61.6 pro football focus grade. So those are grades for what we think are going to be the starting five tech defensive ends mm-hmm. for the Vikings and the three, four base. Those ra- rankings are both significantly better than Indomitian Sue's was last year, granted in a four, three. Uh, so I don't know if really that's a guy that, you know, those grades given his age, uh, tackling numbers went down. I think there's some risk there with, with Sue in bringing him in. Um, one of the pluses with bringing him in, though, is that the Vikings, uh, we have concerns about depth at several positions. I think you could say you have concerns about depth at the defensive end position for the Vikings. I, I expect that if you sign Sue, he would be uh, a five-tech defensive end in the 3-4 base, and he certainly got the body type and build to play that at mm-hmm. uh, 6-4 and like well over 300 pounds, uh, and he can move inside if necessary if they go to like a 4-2 and mm-hmm. and five uh, nickel can go, you know uh, configuration, but uh, he d- would give you depth. But is it good depth? I'm not really convinced that it, that it is uh, based on his grades last year. You got him up there, and um, yeah, again, uh, I I always I always say I said this last year when we signed Patrick Peterson. Everybody was like, "Yeah, man, the Vikings signed Patrick Peterson." I was, and then, I, but I thought. Uh, have and it, has anybody paid attention to some of the grades that we've seen on Peterson the past two years? They weren't very good. Again, pro football focus, you take the grades with a grain of salt, but uh, if they're poor, it's usually not a great indication of a guy's play. And I think that in, in Adamican Sue at is in, in 2022 is obviously not going to be the player he was in 2012. And I feel that that's where buyer beware, even if it's at a low price for Sue, that uh, I don't know. If I was Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and I was Kevin O'Connell, I'd probably stay away from a guy like Sue. I don't think like an, an aging, looks like a declining player, is the kind of guy who can help your defense, which has really struggled the past two years, get significantly better, which is what they need to do in order for this team to take a leap and be not only make the playoffs, but be, actually be a factor in the playoffs and not just be a one-and-done team. They need the defense to go from 31st to at, somewhere at least in the middle of the pack, maybe a little bit better. And um, a guy with a poor poor grades like that at, at his age, you know, I just don't see Sue really helping us all that much. Uh, he'd, uh, he'd probably he'd be better than Jonathan Bullard, but how much better? Right. I don't know. Well, you had said when we talked about this prior to the show, it's going to be up to um, Mr. Donatello here on how he wants to, how he envisions that line to work. Now, Mm -hmm. in Denver, they had six interior linemen that they rotated snaps with. And it was a relatively even split. Yeah, the starters got a little bit more, but the backups did get some time. But it was to keep them all fresh, and they did rotate them in. We worry about depth. Is he? Does he want him for a rotational purpose? We don't know, but that may be why part of the interest. But you also have other older interior linemen on the market, Linval Joseph, for one, Sheldon Richardson, for another, all into their you know younger than Adama Kinsu. I don't think ever where near as good as Sue was, but they're available as well. And what you got to is when these older vets are like this um, and they're looking for a team and they're almost begging and they're trying to generate traffic. Do you think, you know, the Raiders were calling the press and say, Hey, we had talks with Sue. No. Or the Vikings, we had talk. No, that didn't happen. It's the Sue's camp. It's Sue's camp that called up and said, "Hey, we're talking with the Raiders, and we're also talking with the Vikings, and we think we can get this." Or it's you know, uh, Kyle Rudolph going, "I'd love to come back to Minnesota." It's <laughs> they're you know old players that are looking like, "Hey, they may not make it into the league this year," and they're trying to do everything within their power. Because they want to keep playing. We'll get to one in the greatest 
Adrian Peterson, right? Adrian Peterson still yeah. isn't officially retired, and he's hoping to play some more, right? Yes, um, he is. But they're all in that bucket of, well, we want to play. We can offer, you know, our wisdom because, you know, our prime is long gone, but it's it's going to be interesting. Do you think the Vikings will bite and try to get Sue? Whether whether you or I want it, do you think the Vikings will? I I don't, Dave. Uh, I think that the, they're they're going to. Uh, we've got yes, we have a competitive rebuild, and so uh, a late veteran signing like Sue would seem to fit into that. But I, I just I don't know. Like I I feel that it, it's really a red flag to me that a guy like Sue with his resume the Pro Bowls he's played in, the player that he was, that he's we're a month from training camp and he still hasn't found a team to play on. Uh, I just, I think better, his best days are behind him. Uh, don't bother. I And uh, I think the Vikings here are kicking the tires. Uh, maybe they're uh, looking at, like, is he in playing shape? If we do get an injury in training camp, is he a guy that we can bring in and uh, sign him quickly and he can, uh, he can at least be a stopgap mm-hmm. while that happens? I think they're trying that, but I don't think that they're going to sign him again unless one of the the guys in the defensive line who they think is going to be a key key contributor goes down. Uh, because um, you, you know, say if say if Armand Watts goes down, uh, yeah, I think likely James Lynch is going to step in there and take over for him. But then who's behind Lynch? Uh, the then you're you got the the fifth rounder from from the University of Minnesota whose last name I cannot <laughs> pronounce uh, uh-huh. yet. Uh, he, he'd probably be the next next guy up, and I don't think that the Vikings at this point would be unless uh, would be all that comfortable with that situation. I think that's where signing someone like Sue makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned about Shelvin Richardson being on the market. Uh, yeah, he's another guy. Uh, I think if uh, I think Richardson's best chance at uh, getting employment. Yeah, I thought he played pretty well last year. Here, this new regime with the the new defensive uh, leadership doesn't seem to in, seem they didn't had no interest in bringing him back. I don't think they they even tried. Uh, and Richardson's still out there. Uh, Richardson's probably best opportunity to get a job this year is if Mike Zimmer somehow shows up on some team's de- defensive staff because Zimmer seems to love the guy. Uh, and uh, I you know I I like Richardson. I think he, he's a good player and he I think he played well for the Vikings mm-hmm. last year and he got bounced around mm-hmm. he went defensive tackle defensive end you defensive know defensive end and he did surprisingly well yeah. yes yeah but uh, yeah i just i don't think the vikings are, are going to sign sue unless something bad happens to one of the defensive ends or more more than one of the defensive ends that they have Knock on, on the roster right now yeah yeah that's right don't want that to happen uh, but if it does then then they're going to have to look for something and if a guy like sue is on still on the on the market and he's willing to pay for a price that we can afford then yeah there might be some business done there but i don't think it's going to be done based on us needing to bring him in uh, or wanting even wanting to bring him in as the situation is right now mm-hmm. and raymond said hopefully some of the young guys and there are young guys backing up that interior can step up as well. And I agree. And those are the guys that we should be, yeah, we should be uh, looking Hoping for. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Those backup jobs. Yep. Yep. I don't know. And we don't know. You, you talked, you made some good points, Dave, about Sue and uh, he, you know, he probably still wants to play. I have questions about whether he wants to come to a team that didn't make the playoffs last year and play like a rotational part-time role. But if that's the only job opportunity available to him anywhere in the NFL, yeah. then, yeah, he probably takes it. But whether it's in Minnesota, I don't know. also heard doing my research that uh, he prefers teams without state sales taxes. So that eliminates Minnesota. That yes. would be a last result, resort. It doesn't eliminate the Raiders, obviously, or the Texas teams <laughs> or the Florida teams. And I think, I think the other one on the list I saw was Seattle, but that blows my mind. I thought Washington did have a state income tax. All right, now on to theme two. This guy, Jordan Hicks, the first free agent signing 
by Kwese Adolfa Menza. You did. You wanted to make sure we didn't forget about him. Why is that? Yeah, because David, uh, I wanted to make sure of that because I really we haven't heard much about Hicks since he signed. Uh, he was, um, you know, he signed for a two-year deal, the middle of March, a very reasonable ten million, uh, which uh, a signing that I liked. I thought that, especially considering the price we got him for, uh, I'm not sure why the the Cardinals uh, released him last year. It must have been, uh, you know, there had to be some salary cap moves because he was extremely productive for them last year. Said career high in sacks, uh, you know, loads of tackles. So I thought he was a great value signing for the Vikings at the time. Um, not a superstar or anything like that, but again, at the price, considering his productivity, his entire NFL career, and the fact that he's you know 20, still 29 years old, uh, I, you know, I thought it was a pretty good signing. But since he signed, mm-hmm. um, you know, it seems like we haven't heard very much about him. Like the after he signed, you know, the Vikings signed Harrison Phillips, then they signed Zadaria Smith. That was the big news. That's been the big news on the defense since then. You know, Zadaria Smith, him pairing with Daniil Hunter, fearsome fast, uh, pass rushing duo. Look at the damage that they're going to cause. We're all dreaming about that. How many sacks? How many quarterback pressures those two are going to get if they're healthy? Hoping that they're healthy. Let's just cross our fingers on that. Uh, <laughs> and then. And the Vikings drafted, you know, they drafted uh, two uh, defensive backs in the first and second mm-hmm. round of, of the draft. Lewis Seen in the first round. Then they saw, uh, drafted Andrew Booth Jr. in the second round. And the expectation is that those two are going to play significant roles in the Vikings' new defense under Ed Donatel. So a lot of excitement about what their role is going to be, what impact they're going to have on the Vikings, what uh, are they going to be the extra ingredients that get the Vikings into a different, better level of play than we've seen the previous two years. So a lot of talk about Hicks, a lot of talk about Daniil Hunter, a lot of talk about the rookies, uh, but not much talk about Jordan Hicks. I, I don't want, yeah, I don't want people to forget about Hicks because the guy has never in his three years with Arizona, he, he didn't have less than 116 tackles in a season. Um, his, uh, very durable during that time. Last year, again, very productive, set a career high in sacks with four. Um, I think that now you've got him, and he's his partner on the inside is going to be Eric Kendricks, another tackling machine. We love Eric Kendricks. We know how, how good of a linebacker he is. He's never had less than uh, – he's only had under 100 tackles in a season once in a seven season in the NFL, and that was his rookie year, and he didn't start the entire year as rookie year. Now, David, we've talked about this before. We know this. Having a lot of tackles as a linebacker is not always a great a sign. Good thing. <laughs> it means, yes. yeah, it means that your defense was probably on the field maybe a little bit too much. Uh, your defensive line was not doing their job properly and uh, stuffing some guys at the line of scrimmage, which and uh, forced your linebackers to make tackles beyond the line of scrimmage and even for or five yards down the field. We certainly saw that a lot under the Vikings last year. But Kendricks's uh, play a running mate the, uh, since he's been with the Vikings at linebacker was Anthony Barr. Um, I like Barr. I thought he was a pretty good player for us. But he was a guy who had a tendency to miss tackles, not always the best, surest tackler. So I think that swapping out Bar for Jordan Hicks is an underrated good move for the Vikings defense this year. You're going to have two solid, really solid tacklers at the inside linebacker positions. Again, two tackling machines, two guys that are highly productive. And the, if you look at uh, just past this defense by Hicks, uh, not so much the past couple of years, but earlier in his career, he was having like 11, 12 pass defenses a year, which is right around what Eric Kendrick's has had the past couple of years. And we think that Kendricks is probably one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. So Hicks is a guy that's not only a very good tackler, but he can also play well in coverage. Uh, I think that he's going to, um, he's going to be, I think that Jordan Hicks is going to be like a key player under the radar, perhaps underrated, not going to be flashy, but he's going to be a key guy, a solid glue guy, like was mentioned in one of the comments below earlier, that that's, that's going to be really important to the Vikings going from, 31st, like they were last year in in defense, to somewhere 
in the 15, 14, 15 range, maybe even a little better. Uh, and if the Vikings were such a, If those two a, defensive ends stay healthy. Well, yeah. But, I mean, health is – Hunter and Smith. Yeah. Health is, again, something we can't predict. We cannot mm-hmm. control. Uh, but I think that what you can look is guys' track records and say, they've done this. They're capable of this. If they play up to their what they're, they've been shown in their previous careers, the defense should look like this. And Jordan Hicks is a guy that I think that uh, Viking fans are going to be pleasantly surprised by what he adds to this Vikings defense, mm-hmm. what he adds to the team. We know that he's a very smart, cerebral player, uh, very good leadership, very good in the locker room. That's important. But on the field, I don't want his production, his steady production to get forgotten. And I think that he's going to be a guy that, again, is going to – his steady production, his ability to tackle well, his ability to cover well at the linebacker position, those things are going to have uh, like a uh, – it's going to be a constant throughout the year with Hicks. Uh, you won't have to worry about him. Uh, messing up his assignments where he is. Or Kendrick's next to him. I think they complement each other real well. Exactly. And I think that they're going to complement each other well, uh, a lot better than Barr and Kendrick's complemented each other the past couple of years when Barr was in the lineup. So uh, I think that, again, don't forget about Jordan Hicks. Keep an eye on him. And if the Vikings defense is as improved as we all hope it is, in 2022, I think Jordan Hicks is going to be a a bit of a uh, like a sleepy, silent, underrated reason for that improvement. I agree. Uh, I look forward to seeing him when I get pads on and can start hitting. I want to see this guy every Sunday. I want to see what he does, and it should look good. Drew says, I think by week seven or eight, fans will be saying, I'm so glad we got that Hicks guy. Drew, I hope you're 100% correct. Drew is going to be 100% correct. And and here's a guy that at $5 million a year is one of the rare free agents who can probably outperform his Salary? contract. That'd be cool. And <clears throat> yeah, and not have to and not have to like uh, snag 10 interceptions, get 10 sacks, have 200 tackles to do so. Like if you signed a, a guy for like a 30 million uh, two year deal, right? Where mm-hmm. you're paying him 50 million, you're paying, you're paying Hicks 5 million a year. I think that's in today's NFL for a starter on your defense, playing a linebacker, uh, you know, uh, inside. So it's in a three, four, isn't it like a super premium position, but 5 million a year for a starting defensive player in the NFL is uh, who's a veteran. That's, that's pretty good. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's value. Mm-hmm. It is, which brings us on to our next value. <laughs> Lake Monster yes, Brewing. Time for a good beer. It's getting warmer up in Minnesota. It went from winter. You had a couple weeks of spring, and now it's a hundred degrees outside. So, if you're hot, need something to quench your thirst, you want a very very good beer. Brewed locally in St. Paul, come down to the brewery and try out what they have on offer. And speaking of which, if you want to know what's on tap this week, there it is. Obviously, they're going a little bit fruity on tap with the lemon meringue ale. I don't know about that one, but I love lemon meringue. I love ale. I don't know if they mix real well. You have the blood orange citrus IPA. I have had some. (laughs) Blood Orange Citrus IPAs before, they are good, especially cold. Most ales are good when they warm up a bit, better than lagers, right? But when you get into the fruit stuff, you want to keep it cold like a lager. And then you got your Pog Sour. But, and of course, they have their standbys, Como Claw, Empty Rowboat IPA, which is outstanding. Depth Charge, another outstanding one, and on and on. So, if you're thirsty, coming off the golf course, coming off the lake, coming off camping, 4th of July is coming up, right? And you're going to have some parties going on. Check out Lake Monster, the rare breed. Now, I wonder if uh, the Lake Monster crew is going to be doing anything for training camp. That's a good question. I'll have to ask. Now, we're on to the 
the theme of the day. Who is the greatest? This all started a week ago or so when Judd Zolgan of Score North started his top 25 players in Vikings history. And he just went history. He said no active players, just history. And so he purposely excluded Kirk Cousins for all you Kirk Cousins lovers out there. (laughs) And he went through this. But in his initial five, he had people uh, debating straight from the get-go. Because number 25 was um, Scott Studwell, the most prolific tackler in Vikings history. But the question is, did he deserve to be there? And when we talk about top lists and who's the best and who's the greatest... We're talking generally about feelings and preferences, right? It is uh, not concrete science. Pardon me. We try to make it as concrete as possible, but it comes down to who did you prefer? My favorite Viking of all time is Jimmy Clausen. He's Clausen, Klein Saucer. He is nowhere on the list, right? I think that's a shame. Does he deserve to be on the list even for me to think about? No, but... There are other players I love that do, right? And we'll get into some of those. Now, I tried, I went, this shot me down a rabbit hole. And I was trying to think of the best (laughs) way to figure out, well, who is the best? And there's only one organization that measures historic football play, and that's pro football fo- uh, reference. Nope. Not the one I want. Where is the one I want? Right here. Okay. Pro football reference. Pro football reference. Right? When you look at them, they've been tracking numbers since 1960. Right? Which is perfect for the Vikings. Vikings started in 1961. Now, what numbers they have tracked, the NFL has tracked, has changed over the years, right? Like, they didn't track tackles. You can go into PFR, and you're not going to find Studwell's tackle totals. You going in there, you can't find Alan Page's sack totals, even though they've gone back and they've researched it, and I think it's 192. Um but it's not an official stat in there because they didn't have official NFL stats being tracked back then of there. But they developed a an algorithm, how they weight everybody's position, how they played against everybody else's. Because they could have a kicker in there, but how does a kicker line up against the wide receiver, line up against a defensive tackle, right, when it comes to measurements? And they... And algorithms is just, uh, we're going to favor this, you know, trait or this, you know, how many points scored, how many yards ran, how many receptions, how many sacks, how many tackles. And it all tries to even it out and then give it what they call an adjusted value, AV score, where are these guys productive or not? And the more productive they are per game, per season, per year, the higher the AV score. They have that. As a basis, we're going to be looking at that. But at first, who were your, when we talked, who are the greatest Vikings, were your initial thoughts, Darren? My initial thoughts were it came down to four four guys, four or five. It was Randy Moss, Fran Tarkenton, Alan Page, and then we got the Ron Ron McDaniel. I got the Ron McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. Yeah. 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 We got Ed McDaniel in there, but I was, it was Randall McDaniel. That was the four that I thought would be considered, would be the the ones you consider to be the the greatest Viking of all time. Those would be the four that would be in the conversation for me. Okay. And they're great choices. Absolutely fantastic. And I can see Randall McDaniel just, you know, 
being up there, and obviously uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss changed the game. He changed the game how it was played. He was a uh, transformational player. I think the top guys were all relatively transformational players, whether you're talking Eller or Page or Tarkington, Randy Moss, Randall McDaniel, right? All those guys are so good that they change the way the game is played. So I wanted to look, dive into this rabbit hole using PFR's numbers, AV. And I looked at, first off, we're going to give you by AV, their adjusted value, that while they played for the Vikings, just the Vikings only, where they rank, right? And here's your top 25 list on the left. As you can see, Carl Eller ranks the top of this list. Yes. And Carl Eller was good. Man, was he good back in the day. Um, and I have no issue with Eller being at the top of this list, but there's a problem with this list. All right. As I see it, problem with AV is AV and you can see Scott Studwell down there. That's the whole thing that started. Drew and I talking about Scott Studwell, do all those tackles, medals, right? And uh, you can see Moss and Dante Culpepper. Uh, you see Chris Dolman up there. You see names you're not familiar with, especially the younger people. Roy Winston. You say that name, and most people will glass over and go, who's that? Right? They can say yeah. who Randy Moss is or Adrian Peterson, um, but they're not going to get that. So this the AV not only rewards good play, it also rewards longevity. Because the more season you're racking up points in AV, the more points you're getting. So the more points you get, the higher and the better you play, yeah. the higher up your list you go. So it's it's quality and it's longevity. Well, just because you played from 64 to 79. Mm -hmm. um, just because you played a long time, does that mean you're the greatest versus somebody who may have played half that amount of time, but then had a catastrophic knee injury, but was also a Hall of Famer and a transformational player. So I started asking myself some questions. Well, if this is your AV, and AV is consistent, you know, it's how well did you play during a season, during a game. Well, let's break it down by games. So, I chopped it up. I did threw everything into a spreadsheet, and as Drew knows, Ted Snow, I love spreadsheets. And I started dividing by games. <laughs> I took AV totals and threw them in there and divided them by the games they played. Dante Culpepper came at the top of this list as being the greatest Viking. Ever. So, Dave, does this mean that? Which is hugely surprising to me. Uh, uh, this so, Dave, does this mean that that you took so every you took their AV for each game and, and or their AV score overall divided by the number of games, and mm -hmm. then you and of course that comes out with what their what their, their number is their yeah. average yeah what their number would be okay yeah so that's their production per game on average right it's like yards per average if yeah uh, Dalvin Cooks running six yards per average. You're taking all his yards on the game and dividing it up by carries, and you get six yards per average. It's the same way, AV, same way. Now, on this list, you'll notice I have highlighted Stefan Diggs, while he played for us, uh, makes the top 25. Also on the top 25, you have two active players. At number eight, you have Kirk Cousins. <laughs> At number nine, you have Dalvin Cook. Not that far behind. Now, with Kirk Cousins, besides um, Culpepper having such 
a great score. And Culpepper, in the history of PFR and their AV score, tied the max AV in a year score in the in PFR's history. So he had a really good season. It was 2003 when he was runner-up for MVP. Um, he produced, right? But his career got cut short, both at the Vikings and then just cut short because he tore up his team. But get back to Kirk Cousins here. His rate while he's been here, average AV score per game is .841. I was curious. Well, if it's 8.841 per game, how did he do last year? So I looked it up. Last year he did 0.813. So just a slight decline, but he is still in that top 10 range. So as we've discussed before, Culpepper's a good quarterback. Does he deserve to be at the top of the list? I don't think so. And as you can see, Fran Tarkenton's number is better per game. So, that, yes, Ted Culpepper had tiny hands. Um, so that brings us to the next chart. One of the things that PFF do, or PFR does is they have weighted AV scores. And this is where they adjust the person's whole career and they take their best year at 100%, their second best year at 90%, third best year at 80 fourth at 70 so on and so on. And they adjust it, the algorithm, with the entire league. And they came up with about 250 players, tops. Out of that 250, I think it's 247 or 249, there are 17 that were Vikings. As you can see, of those 17, um, you have Fran Tarkington at the top of the list. Fran the man, right? As they weighted him as the best Viking with weighted AV over his career on the whole list. And out of everybody on this list, with the exception of Mick Tinglehoff, they all played for another team, at least one other team, right? Mick Tinglehoff was the only one that played his entire career with Minnesota. But everybody else has played at least for two teams. The highest one on the list is um, Adrian Peterson, who's played with seven and hopes for number eight this season. But, on this weighting metrics, which measures against the whole league, the highest of the Vikings out of it is Fran Tarkington. And there are a ton of Vikings fans that believe Fran is the guy. That should be the greatest player in Viking history. There's your argument for it. But these are numbers we're playing with, right? These are numbers as from Pro Football Reference. So we can always play with numbers. So if this is a whole One thing here and other teams, and we've talked about AV while a Viking and AV during a game, I figure what happens if you mush all those together and then take their average to not only hit, not only are you a good player, not only are you a long, longevity Right, you're rewarded for longevity. Not only are you rewarded for the top of your game, which the weighted AV is, right? How long, how good were you at the top of your game compared to other players, you know, consistently at the top of the game? And then take all that together and divide it up. And I've come up with the combined game WAV AV list and the numbers you have here. So you may have ranked, like, on the last one, Tarkington ranked number one. On the first one, he may have ranked number five. I don't remember what it was. Um, and on the other, on another one, he may have been <coughs> three. Take those three, and then you average them, total them up, average them together, 
And then how? what's the difference, right? And the lowest amount of difference is the best player. So when you do that exercise, right, you had Eller being on one, Culpepper being on another, Tarkington being on the last one, and here you have the great Alan Page. Because on virtually all of those lists, Alan Page was in that top three. He was the most consistent up top for amount of production, longevity, and at the highest peak, always producing. Was that man, Alan Page. And I give you PFRs, or my opinion, how I interpolate the numbers and PFR, the greatest Viking that has ever played the game, Alan Page. Well done, David. He would have also been, he would be my pick as well. Uh, um, the the guy that, um, out of that whole thing, which I underestimated, and not because I didn't think he was a fantastic player, but I, I didn't, uh, when I said it was Moss, Randall McDaniel, Tarek, Tarkenton, and, and Alan Page, I didn't say Moose Eller, but... Right. You can see through all of these, these uh, d- you know, different lists, the moose is like in the top three, I think, in almost every one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and and number one, in, and he's number one in the AV for for P- Pro Football Reference overall. He's to for that metric, for that mm-hmm. algorithm, for that, he's the greatest Viking of all time. I, but I agree, like Alan Page would have been would be my pick. Uh, you know, you're looking at a five-time, first-time All-Pro. Uh, he was the NFL MVP in 1971. The only, the first defense, defensive MVP ever. And there's only been yep. one other since. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that I I don't have any memories of Alan Page played, so everything I hear about him is what was written, you know, some YouTube videos, that sort of a thing. But he really seems to me like he was a guy that was um, – kind of like Aaron Donald in his mm-hmm. day. He wasn't the biggest dude on the interior, mm-hmm. but phenomenal quickness and strength for the size that he was. And Ted Bertrand was talking about, I think he actually talked to Carl Eller, I think, um, in the Met Carl Eller, the Moose, and the Moose was talking about how Page was just so quick, so electric inside, unblockable. Uh, and, uh, you know, for yeah, for him to play as well as he did for as long as he did, and he played four years for, for the Bears, and I was looking it up, and mm-hmm. he wasn't really washed up in the Bears either. He was, like, averaging about 10 sacks a season his last four years with the Chicago Bears, which is uh, makes you wonder why the fuck did they trade him away? Well, it's, uh, part of that is he was he was trying to keep lean. He believed yeah. he needed to be smaller, and the, and the Vikings wanted him a little bit bigger. And he that's one of the reasons, and because he was getting light by that time. And he said, yeah. "No, I'm still going to play." And he went and played for Chicago. But it's and, and obviously his life after football is stellar. Yes, um, and all the things he's done for the community, he is a great man and would be my nomination. And I remember watching these old Vikings when I was a kid, but it would be this. I, my combination of the numbers, I say Alan page is the greatest. And as you say, Eller Tarkington, Randall McDaniel and Randy Moss round out your top five. And I think that's a damn good top five. Period. You know, just Take uh, McDaniel always suffers, I think, uh, uh, when you talk about greatest Viking because he was an offensive guard, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no real stats that, but the guy made 12 Pro Bowls, 12. 12 of them, <laughs> 12, like every, every year, seven times. He was a first team all pro. Uh, I, I know that these things kind of get picked by reputation sometime and all of that, but like Randall McDaniel was the, he's this, he's the gold standard for guard play in Minnesota Viking history. Uh, and I know you got Ed White and there's some other good guards too, but Randall McDaniel was the man back there. So, and uh, the rankings here show that he's at least in the top five, pretty much everywhere. Fran Tarkenton, uh, it, like I, it, when he retired in night after 1978 season, he led, he was the NFL leader in completions, attempts, uh, 
yardage, yardage passing yardage, TD passes, uh, also interceptions, <laughs> but and, and but he also led the uh, had the most rushing yards of a quarterback in NFL history at the time, and it was had the most wins for a quarterback at the end of time. That's ta- you talk about phenomenal player. Fran Tarkenton was it. Randy Moss, you talked about it. Uh, like he changed the game. Remember mm-hmm. when the Green Bay Packers, uh, like the year the in 1999, where they drafted like five cornerbacks, <laughs> you know, well, it was in three the draft, in a row. and they were all, they all they all had to be like, yeah, yeah, they all had to be like six two and above. Like Ron mm-hmm. Wolf said, uh, we we need to we've got to deal with this dude somehow, and you know he changed how how defenses had uh, cover, covered on uh, had their coverages was uh, he had some holes in his game. He wasn't, you know, a tough physical receiver but by God, you know, you had to account for him. Uh, and again, we talked about page talked about target and then Moose Seller, um, you were talking about his, I looked up his sacks. Um, another guy, he was a f- five time, first time all pro, uh, pro football reference had him as a 133 sacks. That's what they had. Okay. Well, that. that's was, higher, it's, higher it's page was, uh, Viking Jerome page was at a hundred. I heard it was like 190 something, but from an interior defensive tackle, not an edge, a yeah. tackle. And he's, you know, that, that's amazing. You're not going to see numbers. Not only amazing. Darnold, all the all the good guys now, you don't come, you don't even come close to those numbers. But and those were the times where, like both Moose Elder and Alan Page, played a time where teams passed far, far less than mm-hmm. they do now. Mind you, they also took a lot longer to throw when they did. Uh, there wasn't the short passing game that we see now, but still. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it wasn't an official sack until 1982, so how, uh, like, if people were actually tabulating the sacks like they do these days, you kind of wonder how much Eller and Alan Page actually would have accurately, uh, you know, today if if the sacks had actually been tracked back when they were playing. Uh, And again, if they were playing in an era where teams threw the ball 500 times a year instead of, like, some teams throwing it, like, what they did 200 times a year, right. you know, exactly. So, mm-hmm. so, but, it's, those, it's, uh, but very interesting to go down this uh, road about who's the greatest Viking of all time. And, and great job by you, David, to comb through those numbers and uh, go down the rabbit hole and take us through that rabbit hole. And this is just, it was just an exercise using the only database I have right available that I can use to plug it in. Like I said, at the beginning, it's all emotional. It's all preference. It's all how individuals view things. Now, I agree with the top five on this list that's up there right now. I don't necessarily agree with the rest. There's some that I would say, oh, definitely, yes, Chris Carter needs to be on. There he is, right? Ran, John Randall, Chuck Foreman. Oh, I have no problem with those guys being on there. Some of the other ones, when you get to some of the older guys, eh, I'm not so sure if – you know, you might stick in, um, move up and put Studwell in, or you might put somebody else that's a little younger up there as a the better player. And as we've seen on the previous one of the AV per game, we've got a few guys that are two guys already that are up there. And I also looked uh, for AV per game. If you're wondering, Brian O'Neill is just behind that 25 cutoff. So mm. he's doing well, and if he continues to improve, I fully expect him to go up there. So there's still time for players to move up this list and move down this list, and especially how way football's changing. We're going to see this list change a little bit. But I'm rock steady with that list right up there right now. I have no dispute with it one way or the other. I could move Fran up maybe to two, but Eller was so good. I mean, they were all so good. McDaniel and Moss, I just, they were all so special. And you look at that list and you go, why don't we have a Super Bowl win yet? Yep, that's true. That's true. The uh, It was uh, interesting also to see that Paul Krause is pretty high on, mm-hmm. uh, on all of those lists. I was a bit curious about 
about that because we know, you know, the 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 unbreakable interception record that he has, mm-hmm. or we think it's un- going to be unbreakable anyway. But uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't sure how you know the 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 pro football reference would how they'd rank him but he ranks pretty high he was somebody that i thought of as like eh, you know would he be in the top you know like the guy again as the all-time leader in interceptions in the nfl that has to be uh, stand for something uh, i didn't have him in there but uh, he still ranks quite high so that's yep. good to see mm-hmm. so that's that's and we can de- continue to debate who you want but this is just my attempt to use data that's available, and to play with it, to come out with who's best over the history of the Vikings. And per the data, it's that. Like I said, I have a few different ones, but I'm cool with that top five, especially Alan Page being number one. Mm-hmm. Now. For sure. we got one more little thing left. This week, training camp. Dates came out. And there you have it. It's 26th July for the Vets and 24th July for the Rooks. And that means we have football shortly at Egan in a month. So we'll be here between now and then. We might take one weekend off. I don't know. But we'll see. And uh, then we're going to start up with the 2022 campaign in full swing. And at that point, we'll start to learn a bit more about like what players are showing. You know, what's what the, what it's the depth like. Who could be who's in the who's looking for uh, who's looking like the run front runners as far as starters go. I think for most positions on both offense and defense, it, those positions are pretty set. There's just a couple of question marks, right guard being one of them. But uh, mm-hmm. but again. Uh, it's a training camp's always a good time because uh, again, you, you finally get, start putting the pads on a little bit of hitting, uh, and, uh, you do start to get us a, a feel for, um, what players might be the ones moving that are really going to shine in the depth moving chart. up, moving down that kind of thing. And, uh, like, you know, what some particularly are some of last year's draftees that got forgotten. We'll start learning whether they are going to have bigger roles, larger roles, or they will be the continue to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I, I feel at least confident that if they continue to be forgotten this year, it will be because they are forgettable, not because the coaching staff just ignore, ignores them. Who knows? Who knows? That's it, folks. Before we go, I would like you to like, subscribe, and ring the bell. If you haven't subscribed, please do. It helps us. All that stuff does uh, for getting a show out to more Vikings fans like yourselves around the interwebs. It does good for us. And uh, so please do. And share the word. Climbing the Pocket is here. We have two regular shows during the summer and a third one every other week. The regular ones are Darren and I with two old bloggers. On Monday, you have Tyler Fornis with the Real Forno Show. He's looking to do a draft, simulated draft. I think there's going to be four people involved, not including me, um, to draft of Vikings players in history to make a full team. And to see how that goes, ah. and then we'll probably I'll probably take AV per game numbers and say, all right, you got Alan Page, you got Fran Target, then you got this, you got that, and we'll add it up all at the end and see who drafted the better team. Hmm. And then Wednesday, hopefully, because they skipped last week, we'll have a Vikings happy hour. Sounds goody. Hmm. Ted asked about the over-under of an exhibition game in Yellowknife, and however <laughs> under you could possibly make that is what it should be. <laughs> but I do want to thank everybody for joining us. Joseph, Ted, Purple Haze, Raymond, Viking Jerome, Drew, uh, Drew Stern, Jonathan, yeah. Purple Haze, you know, and if I didn't mention you, Ted Glover, I know he was going to do some watching, etc. Thanks for joining us this Saturday afternoon. Now we return you to your regular Saturday afternoon programming, barbecuing, beer drinking, whiskey drinking, 
or whatever it is. Any last words there, Derek? Just uh, glad to see the training camp was finally announced, and uh, we're looking forward to that starting. And uh, here in the comings and goings from that, we've we've got a month, but uh, we'll make it through. Yes, we will. And what do we say? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.